From Nickelodeon Animation in Burbank, California, this is the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Hey, animation lovers, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Hector Navarro. If you grew up in the 90s, there's a really good chance that you also grew up with the classic Nickelodeon show, Hey Arnold. If you love the show like I did, then you probably cannot wait for the brand new Hey Arnold, The Jungle Movie. So this week, we're diving deep and looking back at what made Hey Arnold, the series, the quintessential Nicktoon that it was, and what it's like for the creators to come back after all these years to such a beloved series and finish a story that was set up over 15 years ago. If you watched Hey Arnold as a kid and you're revisiting it as an adult, you might be surprised to find how sophisticated the show actually was. It showed profound happiness and real sadness. And that balance was baked into what Hey Arnold was from the very beginning. Hi, I'm Craig Bartlett, and I'm the creator of Hey Arnold. The show's aimed at kids that are right in the you know grade school years mm-hmm. and trying to give them some tools. Some preparation. Yeah, and like, it did. Uh, you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and, and just say what you really think and let people let people deal with it? It was in AV Club where Caroline Framke said that a major theme of Hey Arnold was disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> because I was, I wouldn't have dared say that. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> just nailed it. Real life kids deal with you know, really heavy and and difficult challenges every day. Stu Livingston, director of part one, Hey Arnold, the Jungle Movie. And I appreciated that Hey Arnold, the show, and and we try to, you know, do some of that in the film as well. Yeah, not kind of uh, sugarcoat things. I guess as an adult watching the show again, those things are super clear to me. So they're not really a surprise anymore, I guess. But, uh, you know, to, to reflect back on a kid and think, no wonder I really enjoyed that show or no wonder I really, it really stuck with me because it was different from like, everything else in that way. And I gravitated towards Hey Arnold, one of my favorites. Justin Charlevoix, writer on the Jungle movie, only because I think it was just so different than what was out there at the time. I mean, you had this dynamic cast. It wasn't a mother-father, two-family household having an adventure. It was just this kid who, like Laura said, was sincere and earnest. In the setting of this yeah. very entertaining world, you're showing that kids have to deal with the fact that they're children and, the, and life is often disappointing. I think watching it through an adult lens, you do notice a lot more of what's happening with the adults. Laura Srebny, writer for the Hey Arnold Jungle movie. There are a lot of tragic things there that you didn't think about as a kid, but like, I don't know, Pigeon Man just running away from humanity, or even Grandma and the way Arnold had to handle her with Alzheimer's or whatever it is. Like, if you think about that from an adult perspective, it's... How dark it really is. It's a very melancholy show. I remember talking a lot about the episode Field Trip, where uh, Arnold goes and rescues a sea turtle from a zoo. There's this whole sequence where he is just kind of feeling depressed, and there's no dialogue. It's just kind of him laying around in his room, and he can't stop thinking about... Uh, this turtle and I'll still watch that scene and think what an unusual thing to see in a, in a kids cartoon of just like long runs of no dialogue with this like beautiful um, somber kind of theme playing over it and it just kind of really immerses you in the very unique emotions and feeling of the show um, and I remember that really resonating with me strongly back then and it still does you know like I, I can still pluck that memory out from my head. 
What Hey Arnold did for me as a kid watching the show was it let me sit in those feelings and have it be okay. Yeah, exactly. And it's permission, beautiful. Permission to feel mm-hmm. uh, melancholy. That I did not get. I'm Francesca Marie Smith, and I play Helga G. Pataki. I'm Olivia Hack, and I play Rhonda Wellington Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. I never that's, got the gravity of the stuff the we were doing. That's the interesting thing, and yeah. I think that that's why the show is so... Touch so many people, right? Because it's real. Yes. Like you've got an episode where Arnold gets mugged, right? Uh, Lila is poor. You know, I, Helga's mother is a very thinly veiled alcoholic, <laughs> which maybe, as you know, a child, I certainly didn't get nope. that at the time. No. Yeah. But no maybe idea. if you really? have no, no, no idea. Course. But maybe if you're a kid and your parents are, you know, struggling with addiction or whatever, and you yeah. see this character on TV that does always have a drink in their hand and is slurring their speech and is passed out on a couch, that yeah. resonates with you. And suddenly, as a child, you have a voice, and that's major. That's a big deal. Absolutely. You know, and, because and, someone's speaking to you. Part of what was so great about Hey Arnold was the many wonderful and unique characters that populated the neighborhood. But in order to get to know any of them, you first had to identify with the show's namesake and main character. Arnold was the doorway into the world of Hey Arnold, and pretty much every kid could relate to him in some way. I mean, I always felt like an Arnold. I don't know if that's presumptuous to say, but I think I liked that he was just a quiet kid and he had really interesting tastes and didn't seem worried about what people thought of him. I'm a middle child and so in my family dynamic I was often the one sort of like trying to make sure everyone's like kind of doing okay and settling fights and stuff like that and so um, I identified with this kind of quiet kid who seemed kind of stuck in the middle of everything and was just trying to help people out and like just calm everything down a little bit. I don't know, so those sort of like aspects of Arnold I consider universal and and I deeply identify with him in that way, yeah. That's in, woven in the cloth of what Arnold is. I'm Ramey Muskies, a supervising producer. You know, he he is the, the, the sanest, you know, most centered person in, in his universe. When I pitched it, I said he lives in a boarding house with a bunch of eccentric boarders and, and his crazy grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, from the start, what if, what if he's like the wise little Buddha the one who really knows what's going on, and, and then the boarders and grandma and grandpa can be kooks. Yeah. Despite Arnold's Buddha-like disposition, we learned throughout the series that there was some darkness in Arnold's past. An early episode, I'd say the third one in Arnold's hat. That's a, Arnold's hat's a really important one because mm-hmm. Helga, Helga's obsession, you see her shrine in the bubblegum, shrine in the closet. I'll never get it. Never, never, never. No matter what I do, I'll never get Arnold's hat. I'd get it. I knew it all the time. Oh, Arnold, my love. And why does he care about the hat? It's a weird hat. Yeah. He's, he's got his giant wide head and his teeny Just hat. Just get another hat, dude. What's up? Get yeah. another hat. No, his parents gave him the oh. hat. Here's your very own hat, Arnold. Oh, look at the little man. You and that hat, Arnold. You're perfect. Just like that. What a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Arnold! Hey, Arnold! Come on, kids. Come on down! No! I'm not coming out without my hat! Ever! For the rest of my life! Okay! More ice cream for me! Although Arnold was our doorway into the series, once you were in there, there was an even more complicated character at the heart of the show. 
Helga G. Pataki was the wrench in the gears, the fire in the ice, the protagonist and the antagonist that created much of the conflict and drama of the show. As a favorite character, I think mine would be Helga. Uh, she is just out there in her own world and sees the world as she wants to see it. I, I always found that Helga was the most interesting. I can't say that I'd ever encountered a character that could be so, that have like that that duality to her like she'd be so you know angry and violent and brusque you know and yet you know have that tender side and i thought that was just just capturing that the turn you call it the turn i thought that was just made for animation helga's monologues tell us a lot yeah so unlike others where it's like you simply show it and let it speak for itself helga Helga exhaustively tells us what's going on, which people appreciate. They're like, man, I know where she's at. <laughs> Arnold, what a dope, what a dimwit, what a deluded little do-goody dreamer. <laughs> How I despise him. <sighs> and yet, I love him. The way he's always thinking of others before himself. The way he feels and cares so deeply. The way those adorably unruly yellow tufts of hair stick out all willy-nilly from that wise and wonderfully weird football head of his. <gasps> let's let's just give credit to Francesca Smith. Franny, Brilliant. So funny. Brilliant. We would write for her. I, I would just go, oh man, I can't wait. I can't wait to write this for Franny and hear her mm-hmm. blast this out. Helga gave me a place to be all of my extremes um, and for that to be okay and interesting um, for for her to feel so deeply and so strongly um, and to riff uh, you know these these Shakespearean <laughs> soliloquies right to to uh, just sort of go off to the deepest possible parts of, of her mind and her feelings and everything else. I'll be honest, when that talk came to, to USC about portrayals of bullying, yeah. it, it gave me pause. It gave me a moment to really reflect on whether the the worst parts of Helga were worth her best parts. Yeah, I don't know. I guess where I've landed with it is that uh, I still struggle with... Um, her very acidic sense of humor. Um, it's its absolutely part of me, and I find myself going to that place because I know it makes people laugh, and I know yeah. it's its sort of my, my knee-jerk um, reaction to a lot of things. And I get that, that, um, that maybe sometimes you do need to put a check on that and put a filter yeah. on it. But the larger sort of holistic person that Helga is, the fact that she's been dealt all this really, really difficult stuff, the fact that she is really smart and that she does feel very deeply. Um, I think if you look at at all of those pieces and the way they work together, it makes sense. You get why she's so mean. And that doesn't excuse it, but I think it helps make sense of it and hopefully find a path forward, right? I don't think Helga's still going to be acting that way in, you know, three or five or ten years. So much of the drama that came from the series revolved around the sort of will-they-won't-they relationship between Helga and her beloved Arnold. The Thanksgiving one is the one I'm thinking of because it's, it's one of those rare moments where Helga and Arnold share kind of a real moment where she's not, you know, ragging on him, and it's just they're both having a terrible Thanksgiving, and they kind of find solace in each other. And those are always, like, really intimate moments where you can kind of see, like, what the relationship could be. 
she made herself vulnerable to Arnold and saves the neighborhood. And he didn't reciprocate. It just sort of like uh, there was too much going on or something. So there was a doubt, a lingering doubt. Wait, that's a pretty amazing thing to do for someone you claim to hate. Yeah, well, I'm a pretty amazing person, football head. But I, I thought you were on your dad's side. I thought you were going to get rich off the whole deal. Money isn't everything. Come on, what's the real reason? Oh, because I guess maybe I don't hate you as much as I thought, okay? I guess maybe I, I even kind of like you a little. Heck, I, I guess you might even kind of say that I like you a lot. You do? You did this for me? That's right, hair boy. I'm incredible. What else are you supposed to do when someone you love is in trouble? Love? You heard me, pal. I love you. Love you. Oh, Arnold, just hold me. I, 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 I need to think. Yes, I suppose you'll have to do the thinking for both of us now, darling. I think for me, the thing I learned about Phoebe the most that I really, uh, took to heart as a kid was her relationship with Helga. I'm Andy McAfee and I play Phoebe Heyerdahl. She didn't have a whole lot of character when I first started playing her. They Mm -hmm. didn't really quite know who she was. She was just the nerd and she was the sidekick. Mm -hmm. But there are episodes where she and Helga have, you know, these challenges in their friendship, mostly due to Helga. <laughs> and but but at the end of the day, Helga is so loyal yeah. to Phoebe and she's so protective and Phoebe accepts her for who she is. And to have that kind of a friendship when you're that age and it's so difficult to navigate who yeah. you are and who your friends are and what they're supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. Their relationship is my favorite part of the show. Phoebe yeah. just loves the crap out of Helga. <laughs> and and she will protect her. She knows all her secrets. She will never spill them. She she constantly reminds her that she's a great person and that she has all these emotions that yeah. that matter and, and and Helga is terrible to her. But then at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day you see how much she really appreciates and loves Phoebe way yeah. down in there. She's just not great at expressing those types of emotions exactly. yet. Uh, Helga just one question. What? Are you implying that I have some sort of ulterior motive? That I'm after this Ruth person because she happens to be the object of some other kid's affections? Some certain young man that I may have my own obsessive affection for? Is that your question? Is that your question? No. Actually, I was going to ask you which way to the bathroom. Oh. They're right over there next to the wiener stand. And Phoebe? Yes? This conversation never happened. Phoebe and Gerald are hashtag relationship goals before that was even a thing. Before hashtags were even a thing, that's who they were, you know? Yeah. It was hashtag relationship goals. Those and I, I like that, the fact that it. we've said a total of zero words yeah. about it in and the it's, series. Boop, it's simply you know. shown. Phoebe and Gerald are always the ones that kind of know what's actually going on and the ones that know when it's a bad idea. I don't know, they just seem like the reasonable ones. And they, they had some flirtations in the show, mm-hmm. which was cool to see like a character like Phoebe get... You know, somebody was into that. Her brain. They're they're <laughs> like an effortless couple. Yeah. Which is meant to be a perfect contrast to Helga's to, uh, mess. She can't be in a relationship because she's too messed up and too yeah. angry. And and Phoebe and Gerald are like, I like you. You yep. like me. Gerald was a character who was effortlessly yeah, cool. Yeah, he just was born cool. So, we, wanted, we wanted, since he was going to be cool and effortlessly cool, we wanted to give him a couple things yeah. that could be beyond cool, kind of real. One was the intense loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, from the very start, uh, Jamil knew, oh, well, he's a friend. He's the best He's the best kind of friend. Like, he's so loyal to his friends, so loyal to Arnold. He helps with the Helga stuff. I think he 
he's the one that can see the sparks there when nobody mm-hmm. else can. He's smart too. He's got a lot of history in his mind. Mm-hmm. He knows the history of the city. He knows kind of what's un- what's underneath everything, making yeah. everything go, and and so that that gave him more stuff than simply being cool. Because again, it's you don't want to be a one-dimensional cool guy. Part of what made the world of Hey Arnold so rich and realistic was the truly diverse cast of characters that inhabited the neighborhood, each with their own set of complicated motivations. The best thing is the opportunity to make a hundred half hours of Hey Arnold is two hundred eleven-minute stories. These characters all get to have multiple episodes that dig deeper into who they are. Harold in particular was, we sat down as soon as we started season one and the writers all sat and went, what can we do with this guy? I think think one-dimensional bullies, we've had enough of that. Yeah. He's the big kind of alpha bully in, well, Helga's first. Helga can even beat up Harold. But then among the boys, Harold's the the scariest, uh, strongest boy. So how about if, Arnold slowly, slowly wins him over. And then we just show Harold to be a guy with a short temper, a short fuse, who could be provoked to pound you, but he becomes, truly becomes Arnold's friend. I mean, my characters are horrible persons. So. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, she's super fun to play, right, yeah. because of that. Um, yeah. It's always fun to be, not that she's a villain, but, you know, uh, a bad person. But yeah. fun as hell to play. Awesome. I mean, for sure. She'll figure it out. She's She'll figure stuff, it out. She's yeah. got stuff to figure out. She'll figure it out. Yeah. She'll be okay. Or, or run a Fortune 500 company, and, you know, they're all sociopaths anyway, right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stinky. We wrote a backstory for him. We we had his whole story about how they came and they they towed their little shack to the city, and it, that was a, a favorite metaphor of mine, like a little shack with with big buildings all around it. Yeah. So you know, Stinky just instantly funny as like this this country fried kid. Uh, Dan Butler, who then played uh, Simmons, you know, he was a gay he's a gay man. He's an actor. Cast him as a it was unabashed, and we did several episodes with him and his boyfriend, which we still can't believe that they just let us do and it's always interesting that now it's like when there's an episode that centers on you know anyone that is gay or so it's like we didn't want to say it but we did tons of those back in the day and no one blinked which i must say either didn't get which i don't think so or you know good for them and nick sid uh uh sammy gifaldi could break down and cry funnier than anyone else and so we just ended up writing a whole series of sid falls apart episodes the monkey man one where the the thugs beat him up and take his beetle boots arnold's room where he he borrows the room and pretends to lorenzo that it's his room and the one with big gino where he's he's like uh he's caught up in the the you know like kid mob he owes money (laughs) those those are all meant to be at a certain point Mm -hmm. they're gonna all catch him and he's gonna fall on the ground in in a puddle of tears mr Wynn probably that the story the the story of um him escaping from the heavily inferred Vietnam War as it goes over in the Christmas episode. My father was a, a Navy uh, sailor at the time, and so that story has a lot of uh, resonance for me hearing about his experiences uh, during those days. Grandpa Phil, Grandma Gertrude are, they're so crazy I worry about them. As a kid, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if she's okay. I, I hope she's all right. She's so out there. She's That's, so funny. It's so funny you mentioned that because one of the hardest challenges of making the series was me trying to to rein in mm-hmm. all the the writers <laughs> who kind of wanted to take it to crazy places yeah. and me going, Grandma's yeah. being nuts in this episode. Grandpa needs to be a little more reasonable. Someone here of the two of them has to be a little bit more lucid or, or kids are going to start to feel bad for Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted them to think, 
wow, the dream grandparents. They're yeah. so funny. They're and so they're, funny. they're actually really like grandma and grandpa both are physically like on point. Mm-hmm. She's like a ninja. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> so you go, oh, okay, so they're they're well. They're not going to die. Right. Early on, uh, as we tried to kind of make the rules, uh, Arnold gets mugged about, I don't know, six or so, seven, half hours in. Mm-hmm. And the, in that one, he comes home beat up. I thought, okay, this is perfect. Let's have grandma be super lucid. So she doesn't act kooky at all in that episode. She kind of interviews him about what happened. He leaves and she says, what are we going to do about this, Phil? You better not touch my gal or I'll pop you in the kisser, pal. You better not even try or you'll be looking at a big black guy. So listen good, you two bit hood. I'll get you to the count of ten. And if you're not gone by the The journal was was an assignment, basically. Yeah. Nickelodeon said, we want you to do three more uh, hours of, of programming mm-hmm. in this kind of downtime while we wait to see how the Jungle movie goes and you know, the first movie and we're developing. And so just to keep the crew from, you know, from turning the lights off, mm-hmm. we'll give you three hours to make. And so the, uh, the or no, three, sorry, three half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, April Fool's was the first one. And then the other two half hours combined into one hour of the journal. They said, make it a prequel to the Jungle movie so we can set stuff up. Wow. And I thought, okay, what do we have to set up? I thought, all right, here's my problem with Arnold's parents. They've, yeah. been, they've been missing for a hundred half hours of, you know, five years of episodes. Yeah. What's their deal? How come they don't send postcards and stuff? They must be truly lost. What's happened to them? Yeah. Quite an unexpected find, this journal. I'm so glad that we found it. It's great to hear all these stories. I learned so much more about my parents. They were pretty great people, Arnold. And they loved you so much. Now I know how hard it was for them to leave me. I understand why they had to do it. They did it for the green-eyed people. I just wish I knew what happened to them. Me too, short man. It ends on that cliffhanger. That was me being kind of a... I was being a little bit of a jerk. I was like, I was going... Hey, Paramount, I dare you not to make this movie. Sure. Look, he found a map. Come, come on. Come on. Come on. The kids are going to be so disappointed around the world. See, come on. You got to you gotta do it. Yeah. And then you find out wow. that you know, it's, it's the business. You find out just how much you really control things. Man, what kind of reaction? Which is almost not at all. If, I felt like I'd, I'd personally hurt the feelings of <laughs> millions of kids. I remember watching the finale with the cliffhanger, realizing there was nothing after. And, and I had always kind of in a child way been like this is a betrayal how dare they do this to us and then to grow up and talk to the people that made the show and be like oh it wasn't on purpose like this was just a misunderstanding they were they kind of turned it on nick like ah nick you sure you know why'd you not make this movie and yeah. you kicked him out and but you knew what you were doing yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was I, to my, my my answer to that was it's way more complicated than that you guys yeah. heard about it from a friend who I guess was up for the job potentially 
It's been a slow process, I think. It, it was it, started it was just with dream. just a ton of fans, and then some mm -hmm. sort of petition, and then all the artwork. It just slowly started to build. I thought I was so smart because I like kicked down the door to see Craig, and I was like, I know what movie you should be making. It's the Jungle movie. Here's all my ideas, and he was like, Yeah, no, we know. Like we're doing that. It was one of those yearly things where I would call Ramy. And I would check in with him, like, hey, Craig, or hey, Ramey, hear any more about Arnold? You know, so it was like a, almost like same time next year. And then all of a sudden, I received an email kind of surprisingly out of nowhere asking if I wanted to interview for a, a job, in those words, on um, the Hey Arnold movie, and came in to surprisingly interview for the directing position. I was there when we were opening boxes that they pulled out of storage, and I'm looking at drawings I drew with, you know, a <laughs> pencil on paper. And it's just like, wow, I can't draw like that anymore. But thank God we had all that stuff and it was still existed. Yeah, it happened pretty fast once mm -hmm. Craig told us that the movie had greenlit. I think yeah, yeah. Olivia and I were just sitting there and we looked at each other like, did, did he just say that? <laughs> it's amazing. We couldn't it's, quite it's process amazing. the words. Ramey Muskies, you know, Ramey is, is the supervising director and uh, Stu Livingston is, is the other director. The two of them each directed one of the, each directed an hour of this two-hour movie. Wow. And Stu grew up as a kid watching the show, so he's what we would call a super, an encyclopedia yeah. Arn, Arnaldia yeah. super fan. <laughs> and uh, and Ramey was there trying to make the movie with me in the first place. So we have people who go back all the way to the beginning and, and people who kind of came on at different points in the run of the series. And so we have a deep, deep love for the series and this crew. It sounds like Craig brought us on because he wanted the newer generation to weigh in and they they never really argued any points they were open to any discussion and i think it was one of the most embraceive and positive writers i've ever been a part of like there was no idea that was a bad idea it would just bring you off to another idea there was definitely a strangeness to it yeah to come back to a character who felt like such an intrinsic part of me that to to come back to it in a setting which you know of course totally makes sense like you want to you want to make sure that it's still going to work like I, I i get that but it is still a very strange sensation to sort of hold this character up and be yeah. like is this still me do i still count as the voice yeah. of Alex? You, like yeah is this you're auditioning for for essentially like yourself at 12. when we did the table read which was really cool and a lot of the boys had obviously aged out of their roles, but a lot of the, the women came back to do their roles, and one of them was Francesca. I was sitting right next to Mason, who's our, our new um, voice of Arnold at the table read. And, you know, I'm, uh, what am I, I'm 32? I'm 32 now. <laughs> and um, So I was, I was 31 at the time, um, and Mason was uh, 12, 13? I, I don't even know, but, you know, a little tight, right? So I, w I will totally admit there was a little bit of a weirdness of me just walking into the room and being like... Okay, you know this. Okay, because you know when we when we're all twelve or thirteen or fourteen or fifteen, it, it's not so weird to be like, "I love you so much." Yeah, it does feel a little strange to be like, "I love you so much" <laughs> to to a twelve year old for me, um, as it should. That should feel weird. Um, but I was like, it's animation, it's cool, I can do this, I can be professional, it's just a character. And yeah. like, as soon as we started doing the lines, I was fine with it. Um, I, I, I got back into the zone of Helga. Mm -hmm. Not so for Mason. Mason, <laughs> um, you know, bless his soul, was sitting there next to me as I'm ramping up into this, like, oh, you're I love you so much, whatever it was. And I hear him going, oh, man. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. And he's just got this, like, running commentary of horror next to me. And I, felt, I just want to 
put my arm around him and be like, it's just a job. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I promise I'm not going to follow you home and, you know, throw rocks at your window or anything. That's it's so it's going to be fine. <laughs> We get to see a different angle of Arnold in this movie. I, I don't know if you would agree where he's really driving the action because of his, this is what he wants. He wants to find his parents, but he, everybody else gets involved and you get to see kind of an element of Arnold feeling lost and losing his optimism for like the first time ever. And I think in the series, Arnold's really out helping other people, trying to figure out to make their situations better. And in this movie, it's, Arnold helping himself out and him feeling weird about it. The cliffhanger of the series is that he finds this map and he thinks it could be where his parents disappeared to. And this is really his journey to see if he can find them or at least find out what happened to them. There's one thing I was, I uh, repeatedly tried to place in front of like the, the artists, storyboard artists, is that these characters are familiar characters and they reacted in familiar ways to their environment. But it's just like this is like has to be completely unprecedented. So you have you know your known quantity in an in an unknown situation where so they can't just react in the same way. You know they can't have pratfalls the same way. They can't be disappointed the same way. It's just sort of like this has got to be like just tectonically just huge because it's like I mean these you know, these kids essentially are lost in the in the jungle and and you know and terrible things potentially will befall them. The cast, the crew, and the writers have been pouring their hearts and souls into the Jungle movie for the better part of the last two years. And on the eve of its release, they sound like they're pretty excited about it. I, I was really thrilled with the writing, um, you know, uh, of the Jungle movie. It's so it's good. Felt, it's, it's so, so good. Well I, well, I was telling Rami because I, I didn't work on part two much. Um, when I watched part two, I because I didn't really work on it, I, I see that as a fan. And I watch that part as a fan. And I really enjoy it as a fan. And so I can, like tell him with like you know with a critical eye say i think this is going to be a really amazing film finally after all this time and all of the mental energy we put into the movie way back when is going to be paid off i mean it's like it's like we finally get to finish this sucker you know it's like i didn't really need to like find my way in the dark on this project it just seemed like it was kind of in my blood all this time just knowing that people are very interested in and kind of trying to make the most of it and then getting the chance to make it and learning from our mistakes and kind of talking about all the things, all the loose ends, what would we like to yeah. address? You know, we said the, the three things that fans wanted to know most were, what's his last name? Uh, how does he feel about Helga? Yeah. What happened to his parents? And we thought, well, then we'll just check all those and, and that'll be, boom, boom, boom. that'll all be in the movie. As a fan, I cannot wait for those of us who grew up watching Hey Arnold to finally be able to see the Jungle movie. And I'm so excited for new fans to discover the show as well. I want to personally thank every single person who's ever worked on Hey Arnold, the series, the first movie, or the Jungle movie for bringing these characters and these stories to life. And we hope that you guys enjoyed our deep dive discussion into the world of Hey Arnold. And a huge thanks to Craig Bartlett and everybody on the crew for talking to us about Hey Arnold this week. We really hope that you guys enjoyed it. Thanks to the awesome crew who puts this podcast together. This podcast is produced by Jonathan Highlander, Dana Vasquez-Eberhart, Tony Gutierrez, Jamie Goss, and Andrew Hubner. Original music by Useful Creatures. This week's episode edited by Jonathan Highlander and Josh Caldwell. Our social media team is Narbe Manassians, Sammy Armiger, and David Watson. And our man behind the faders with the gorgeous flowing locks, our engineer, Manny Grujalva. Until next time, keep watching cartoons. <laughs>